Thanks for checking out this week's podcast from Center Street Church. We pray it blesses, encourages, and inspires you. Well, good morning, everyone. It's a delight to have you here. I'm uh, delighted that I'm part of a church that believes in young people and releasing them into ministry. And I've got Luke Goodman with me here this morning. Now, Luke, you're usually down at our Bridgeland Church. Uh, what do you do down there on a Sunday morning? Well, down at Bridgeland, uh, every Sunday, I uh, volunteer in the youth ministry, and I work with kids ranging from kindergarten to grade six. And at the moment, I got uh, 13 faithful boys attending the service, and it's, it's funny that it all turned out to be boys. But... Trust me, girls will come. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You like that. <laughs> well, three other brothers. <laughs> I know a little something about kids and boys. <laughs> now, Luke, we were chatting backstage. You were telling me something about the passion you have for working with younger kids. Uh, just talk a little bit about that. Yeah, well, with children, I find um, being immersed in, a, in faith at such a young age, I... Uh, I discover that, you know, children are so eager to, to learn and when you can point them in the direction of uh, the scripture and, and uh, reciting verses and teach them, you know, what it means to pray and be united with God, they're so willing to discover and, and learn what, um, what the Lord has in store for all of us. So, so you know, if you, if you get them at a young age, you got them all caught up and, you know, they'll never leave. <laughs> Amen. Luke, you're going to read the scripture for us today. Yes, ma'am. Ephesians 1, verses 1 to 7. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Ephesians 4, verses 1 and 2. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with, another in love, with one another in love. Thank you, Luke. Well, didn't you just love Sam's t-shirt? Ten fingers are overrated. Immediately, I thought, Pastor Henry, we've got to get you a t-shirt like that. If you're visiting with us today and you, you, you don't catch the humor in that, well, Pastor Henry's only got nine fingers. Um, by the way, uh, Pastor Warren is trying to join that elite club. He's now got nine and a half fingers, and I'm sure we'll hear about that, as only Warren will tell us. When I was uh, younger, I lost the tip of this finger. Pastor Kevin, who's on staff, also has uh, an injury with a finger. So from now on, the criteria, if you wish to join the staff at Center Street Church... If you've got some parts missing, <laughs> that's okay. 
Okay. Well, this morning I want to share with you a theme that's very, very strong on my heart and my spirit, and that is walk worthy of your calling. In May of this year, um, my husband and I downsized our living space to something more uh, maintainable, something more affordable for us. And we were absolutely amazed at how much stuff that we had accumulated. Uh, stuff that we hadn't used for years, some stuff was just broken, useless stuff, and then there was some good stuff as well. And the, the stuff that was just useless and we hadn't used, we threw that out, took it to the garbage. Other things that we had had, but we just didn't have space for it now that we were downsizing, and we gave that away and we were happy to bless other people. Now stuff, we, we all have it. We become attached to stuff. And we know, also know, that some people do have a legitimate psychological disorder that causes them to hoard stuff. Uh, that is the excessive collection of things. Uh, things when people have the inability then to discard items and so they will hoard anything from newspapers to buttons to books to uh, old clothing and, and stuff like that that they just won't get rid of. So we do know there is a legitimate psychological disorder. But in a way, hoarding is a type of addiction. And to some degree, we're all addicted to stuff. It's often an indicator of a dissatisfaction with life as we search to be heard, to be accepted, to belong. And oftentimes, our identity gets confused with our stuff. Now when we think of addiction, we immediately think of being addicted to alcohol, to drugs, to pornography, to computer games, but we forget that people are also addicted to other stuff. Stuff such as cell phones. By the way, turn them off. If anyone's cell phone goes off, you have my permission to nudge them and say, you're addicted. Seriously, people, we do know, people are legitimately addicted to cell phones, iPads, Facebook, Twitter, blog. Now, all of those things demand our attention and take us away from building healthy relationships. Now, they're not necessarily bad in themselves. However, when they become our default, it's a reflection that someone or something other than Jesus Christ is at the center of our lives. So some questions for us to consider today. Do I have stuff or does my stuff have me? Who or what is in control of my life? What am I addicted to? When I get what I want, what will I have? Am I walking worthy of my calling in Christ? When facing a crisis, who or what would I hold on to? How do I find real freedom? Now we all know that there's thousands of websites and resources offering ideas as how we should live our lives. However, the freedom and the answer we're searching for is not in stuff, not in materialism or addictions. True freedom and meaning to life is in Christ and Christ alone. That's what the Apostle Paul was communicating to the church at Ephesus. He reminded them of their position in Christ. He uses words like rooted, grounded, strengthened, established, 
forgiven, raised up in Christ. Now why did the Apostle Paul use those words? Well, I think in part it was because he knew that the church at Ephesus was caught up in stuff. Stuff that kept them from living out their faith in their communities and in their homes. They needed a spiritual realignment. And I wonder this morning how many of us need a spiritual realignment. When we look at the background of the book of Ephesians, we see how incredibly relevant the message is, although it was written about 2,000 years ago. Because the culture at the time that the book was written has similarities to our culture today. Now certainly their technology was much different, but their weak points were the same. They were materialistic to a point of what we would call overkill. They had sexual practices that left nothing to the imagination. They were not shameful about anything. It was a very promiscuous, hypersexual society. And all of this led to a breakdown in the family structure. Today, many people worship at an idol called pornography and other forms of sexual immorality. Now let me say this, that prostitution and pornography are not victimless crimes and behaviors. Women are denigrated, women are devalued, innocent children suffer, marriage relationships and lives are destroyed. Many billboards and advertisements today are sexually suggestive and they diminish the dignity of females and family values. Television and movies do the same. And I believe that today that many people are not aware of the relationship between what they view and how it impacts their thoughts and their subsequent behavior. Marriages and relationships are devastated and destroyed when God's design for marriage is violated, ignored, circumvented, or neglected. Now sadly, the worldview of the Apostle Paul's day has similarity to the worldview of our day. It reminds me of the verse in Genesis 6 and 5 that says, The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. When we were cleaning out stuff at our place, I came across something that a pastor friend of ours had written. This was in the 80s when we attended a church in Toronto. And he wrote this. What used to be called modesty is now called a sex hang-up. What used to be called Christian discipline is now called unhealthy repression. What used to be called disgusting is now called adult entertainment. What used to be called moral irresponsibility is now called freed up. What used to be called chastity is now called neurotic inhibitions. What used to be called self-indulgence is now called self-fulfillment. What used to be called living in sin is now called a meaningful relationship. What used to be called perversion is now called an alternate lifestyle. What used to be called depravity is now called creative self-expression. What used to be called ethical anarchy is now called the theology of liberation. 
And then he added this, the world may dress it up with fancy labels, but inside is deadly poison. God spells it S-I-N, sin. People today are searching. They're searching to satisfy that inner emptiness and that longing, no matter what the cost may be. They're still coming up empty. And so we ask, how much stuff does it take to satisfy? Now for most people, it's not a conscious decision, but rather it's a slippery slope of little by little, allowing a pursuit of other things, a pursuit of stuff, to become more important than an intimate pursuit of a relationship with Jesus Christ. In fact, I would suggest that not, people may not even recognize they've gone down a certain path until one day they begin to wonder, why is God so distant from me? When the truth is, God has not pulled away, but you may have pulled away from God. At those times, it requires that we hit the pause button to realize that our frantic pursuit of what we believe we need has placed the pursuit of a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ in a place of lesser significance. It's probably a place we never intended to go, but it is a slippery slope. It really is sobering to comprehend how easily we can be lured by what our culture tells us is of value. Rather than holding fast and seeking our significance in a closer walk with the one and only one who can supply our every need and meet us in every circumstance. The Christian life requires that we're willing to leave our world of individualism, consumerism, materialism, and get on God's agenda our deepest longings can truly only be satisfied in Christ and Christ alone. That is true freedom. As people of faith, our primary mission is not to have a political ideology or to acquire wealth and stuff or to satisfy those selfish longings that we have. But our mission should be that we will see every man and woman, boy and girl, that they can experience the freedom that comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ. That is walking worthy of our calling in Christ. And so it was that the Apostle Paul called the church at Ephesus to remind them of their wealth and their position and their blessing in Christ. The Apostle Paul said to walk worthy of who you are because of Christ, Ephesians 1 and 3. <coughs> when we see this in Christ, it denotes our position. Where he is, we are. It defines our privileges. What he is, we are. It describes our possessions. What he has, we share. It determines our practice, that is our walk with God. What he does, we do. <coughs> In Ephesians 1 and 4, 
Paul says, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. That is our calling today. That is our ultimate purpose as followers of Jesus Christ, to walk in holiness, in love, in unity, and blameless in his sight. The moral character of God's people is essential to understanding the very nature of the church. And the church is not the physical building, but the church is the people. It's you, it's me. We are the church. We are to reflect the nature, the character of Jesus Christ at all times and in every situation. In chapter 1 of Ephesians that Luke read, we can see the foundational doctrinal truths about who we are in Christ. And then in chapter 4, it gives the practical application as to how we should live and walk worthy of our calling, no matter what's going on around us, no matter what the circumstances are. Now remember, when the Apostle Paul wrote this, he was in prison. He was in chains. He didn't have an easy life, but he knew his position in Christ. He knew his calling in Christ, and he lived it out faithfully. So I want to briefly look at four life principles from, from Paul. First principle, happiness is temporary. Life is eternal. Choose wisely. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 17 to 19 says, So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. I read a story about professional golfer Paul Asinger who was diagnosed with cancer at the age of 33. At that time he had just won a, a PGA championship and he wrote, and I quote, a genuine feeling of fear came over me. I could die from cancer. Then another reality hit me even harder. I'm going to die eventually anyway, whether from cancer or something else. It's just a question of when. And then he said, everything I had accomplished in golf became meaningless to me. All I wanted to do was live. And then Asinger remembered something that Larry Moody, who was the Bible teacher on the PGA Tour at that time, he had said, Singer, we're not in the land of the living, going to the land of the dying. We're in the land of the dying, trying to get to the land of the living. And then Paulie Singer wrote this. He said, I've made a lot of money since I've been on the tour and I've won a lot of tournaments, but that happiness is always temporary. The only way you will ever have true contentment, he said, is in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And then he went on to say, I'm not saying that nothing ever bothers me and I don't have problems, but I feel like I have found the answer to the six-foot hole. A singer had found the answer to death and to the grave. He found true freedom. He found real success. 
It was not in the accumulation of stuff. It was not materialism. It was not being the champion of a PGA tour, but it was a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So what is most important to us today? Is it to walk worthy of our calling in Christ? See, living for Christ didn't keep Paul Asinger from being diagnosed with cancer, but it caused him to look beyond the disease and to see what really mattered to him. That's freedom. That's walking worthy of his calling in Christ Jesus. So principle number two, it's not what we owe, but rather who can pay the debt that we owe. So choose wisely. The Apostle Paul was reminding the saints, the saints literally means the called out ones, what their true inheritance was. He was reminding them that the debt of sin has been paid through the sacrificial work of Christ on the cross of Calvary. By his grace, we have access to the infinite resources of heaven. For example, in verse 4, chosen by him and in him. Predestined us, verse 5, that is, Christ provided the way. Accepted us, verse 6. Redeemed us, forgiven us, given us the gift of grace, verses 7 and 8. And then we've obtained an inheritance, verse 11. And that's not a financial inheritance, but it's God's presence, his love, his forgiveness with us, both now and into eternity. So then the question we could ask is, why would Christ do this for you? Why would Christ do this for me? The answer is in Ephesians 2, 4 and 8. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ, even when we were dead in sin or transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace we have been saved through faith, not of ourselves, it is the gift of God. That's the word of God. So then we ask ourselves the question, am I a Christ follower in name only, or am I truly a reflection of who I am because of the grace of God? Am I anchored in Christ, or am I tossed back and forth because of stuff that comes in and out of my life? Do I value my stuff more than I value my position in Christ and what he has done for me? When I get what I want, when you get what you want, what will we really have? Choose wisely. Listen to Paul's prayer in chapter 1, verses 18 to 20. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Jesus paid the debt of your sin and my sin. 
How can we ever say thank you? How can we ever show our gratitude? We all have certain types of debts and we pay them each month and so on at the bank or whatever. But there is a debt that we all have in common and that is the debt of our sin. But Jesus, he paid a debt he did not owe. We owed a debt we could not pay. But Jesus, he came and he said, paid in full, paid in full. Yeah, but I've sinned, paid in full. But I've committed adultery, paid in full. But I've cheated the government, paid in full. I've cheated my employer, paid in full. I've lied, I've stolen, paid in full. When you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive. Yes, we may have to answer to a court of law for some of the things we've done here on earth. But in heaven, when you stand before him and you have your list of sins, Jesus said, mm -mm, under the blood, forgiven, forgiven. Walk worthy of our calling in Christ Jesus. So Paul answers that question in chapter 4. He says, walk worthy of your calling. That calls for a change of heart. It calls for a change of focus. One writer, Leslie Vernick, said this about change. She said, change can only happen when we stop being blind to what's going on in our hearts. Whenever we are controlled by I want, I need, I think, I feel, I deserve, I'm afraid, or I'm entitled, it is at those times that we're prone to sin. Genuine change requires a transformed heart and that comes by walking worthy of our calling in Christ. Christ and Christ alone paid the debt of our sinful choices, our habits, our sins. That's our inheritance. That is our true freedom in Christ. Principle number three, disappointments are inevitable. Discouragement is a choice. Choose wisely. During the recent flood, a high school asked Center Street Church if they could use our facilities to have their grad and their homecoming. Now remember, part of being in community is being willing to live out your faith to help others in time of need, even though it might be a little bit inconvenient. Now the authors of a study book called The Tangible Kingdom, they said this, and I quote, you can fake some things but time always reveals who you are and how important God is in your life. If people will find a chapter in your life that they can identify with or help them or find help from, they will move towards you and towards God. Many who attended that graduation, they were not churchgoers. They had a concept of what church would be and what kind of people they thought we would be. After they came, we heard numerous comments of appreciation. And in particular, I remember one comment that really stood out to me. And this particular individual said, you people live out your faith. Hallelujah. That's walking worthy of our calling in Christ Jesus so that those who do not 
connect or identify themselves with the church can look at us and say, you're living out, you're practicing what you preach. We heard similar comments from the employees of the city of Calgary who used our facilities here as an evacuee reception center. Several of those evacuees expressed the peace and the calmness they sensed when they came in to this building. They expressed thanks to us for opening up our hearts, opening up this place of refuge in the time of their devastation and need. That is walking worthy of our calling in Christ Jesus. In the midst of horrific loss and distress, people felt, sensed help and hope and encouragement. The Apostle Paul, he knew what suffering was. I mentioned earlier how he was beaten and he was chained. He was humiliated. He was imprisoned, but yet he reminded the church at Ephesus, don't count what you've lost, but count your blessings and see what you still have because of your position in Christ. May it not be just in a response to a flood, but may our church, may you, may I, always be known as people who lived out our Christianity so that people will know that the Christ we represent loves them with an everlasting love. Ephesians 5 and 2 says, Walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. The Apostle Paul was reminding the church that if their foundation of faith was not solid, then nothing was going to really satisfy them. Ruth Paxton, who wrote a book called The Wealth, The Walk, and The Warfare of the Christian, she said this about walking worthy of your calling. To walk indicates motion. It implies purpose, starting for a goal. Progress, steadily advancing step by step. Perseverance, keeping on until the goal is reached. Walking involves the action of the mind in the decision to start, the action of the heart in the desire to continue, and the action of the will in the determination to arrive. Now just before we look at principle number four, let me mention just a couple of books that I've used to resource for this message. One is called The Cost of Discipleship by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. If you want to understand the difference between cheap grace and costly grace, Bonhoeffer's book, highly recommended. Another book is called Hope, the Anchor of the Soul by June Hunt. This is available in the Appleseed, by the way. It's just a great way to understand about walking worthy of our calling. And then another book that I resourced is The Emotionally Destructive Relationship by Leslie Vernick. Uh, this is probably one of the <clears throat> excuse me, one of the best books I've read in a long time. I highly recommend this as well. Because it really helps us to know about walking worthy, walking in our position in Christ Jesus. Principle number four. Freedom is not the absence of pain, but rather the presence of faith in Christ in the midst of our pain. Now, you may say to me this morning, but uh, Pastor Miriam, you don't understand what my life is like. That's right, I don't. But Jesus does. And Jesus didn't promise an easy journey. 
but he did promise a glorious destination, providing we walk worthy of our calling. The choice is ours. Choose wisely. This past week, I did two funerals for two friends. I did one on Tuesday for a 60-year-old lady. I did one on Friday for a 23-year-old. They both died from cancer. They both prayed and longed to live, but they were also prepared to die. It's so easy for us to sit here, especially you younger people, and say, well, I've got my whole life ahead of me. Hopefully, you do. Maybe you don't. That's why it's so important to choose wisely while we can. One of my friends, Susie, she gave me permission to share the following. When I met with Susie in her home several weeks ago now, Susie had a huge doll collection. And when we sat in her living room and talked about her big collection, and I, and I mean a big collection of dolls, she pointed at it and she says, Miriam, it's all stuff. Just stuff. And then she looked at me and she said something that I will never forget. She said, Jesus won't ask me how much stuff I have, but he will ask me, whose life did you touch? Who did you influence? Then she added, young people today think they need stuff, but with stuff comes debt, and who needs debt? She said, we all need to remind ourselves that God will take care of us. Freedom and success for Susie was not the accumulation of stuff. It was not the absence of disease and pain or suffering. Rather, it was faith in God and being fully confident of where she would spend her eternity. That is walking worthy of who she is in Christ. She had every reason to be angry and discouraged, but she chose to see God's timeline and God's purpose even in her suffering. She influenced and encouraged many people because her actions reflected her faith. I think we would agree that even little Sam today, in the natural we'd say he's got some things going against him. In the natural we might. But yet he's choosing to walk worthy, even as that little child, to walk worthy of his calling in Christ Jesus. I don't know what's going on in your life, but God has called all of us to do the same. Walk worthy, or like Susie said, it's not the stuff we're going to accumulate, but whose lives did we influence for the cause of Christ? Stuff, it doesn't matter. Only our relationship with Christ. Susie's motto was, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. That is walking worthy of our calling. You walk worthy when you walk in love, when you walk in forgiveness. You walk worthy when your words and actions give evidence of the Christ you say you love. Choose wisely. As we bring this service to a close, Perhaps we all need to ask ourselves 
Do I need a spiritual realignment this morning? Here's some other questions to consider just as we hear a closing song. Think about these questions. Do I have stuff or does my stuff have me? When I get what I want, what will I have? If I lost everything, would I still be anchored in Christ? What changes do I need to make so that I will walk worthy of my calling in Christ? Listen now as Aura sings, All I Ever Needed. Powerful words in that song. It's really all we do need is to walk worthy of our calling by walking in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you today for the privilege that we have to come and worship you. May we never take our liberty for granted. We're so thankful, God, that you can speak to us through your word. You can call us back to yourself. You can remind us, oh God, that in every situation and circumstance, you will take care of us. God, forgive us if we're caught up in consumerism and materialism and individualism and accumulating all kinds of stuff. Because, God, the most important thing is not what we have, but who has us. And, God, today we surrender to you and we invite you, O oh God, afresh and anew. Be our Savior and Lord. Guide and direct us. May we walk worthy of our calling in Christ. And may we live it out in a tangible way in our homes, in our community in our place of work, in our schools, our universities. May Christ be seen in us so that people will say, hey, you really live out what you practice, what you preach. You say you love Jesus. I can see that in you. May it be said of us. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you his peace. Peace be on to you and to your household. God bless you. Thanks for listening. We hope this message has impacted you. We'd like to challenge you to take it one step further and get connected. For any questions or prayer, please visit our website at cschurch.ca. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter.